From Westside Church in Bend, Oregon, you're listening to Behind the Message. Each week we take you behind what we teach here at Westside. I'm Ben Fleming. I'm Evan Earwicker, and we are joined today by Pastor Spencer Schauber once again. Hello. There he is. Good a fan be. favorite. Be mm, back indeed. in the studio with Spencer. Is everybody talking to you about your appearance on the podcast after the message that you preached? Probably. Literally, they said your appearance. They said, you looked great on the podcast. And I was like, I know. Well, I people know. always tell me I have the face for radio. There so it makes sense. Is, ready, is radio still a thing? I think it's all podcasts now. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it is a very smoky day here in Bend, Oregon. Usually beautiful Bend, Oregon. Now it's uh, just clouded in smoke. There are pieces of ash falling from the sky. It's like a Hunger Games movie or something. Is this from Sisters, right? A fire from Sisters? Actually, they say uh, there's 16 different fires in the state of Oregon oh, adding, adding to the smoke 16. right now. Yeah, yeah. That's his own tent. Well, Ben, you uh, spoke this past weekend here at Westside. Your first time on the weekend here. Yeah. Yeah, it was fun. It was different, right? And mm-hmm. Spencer, you mentioned it a couple of weeks ago where you talk about even just kind of the 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 physical toll almost it can take on you. You go Saturday night and it's like, all right, there's this one thing. It's kind of out of the way. It's not a big deal. And then going from the eight o'clock to the nine o'clock is kind of a, it's kind of a quick transition. You mm-hmm. go in, you hang out with some people in the eight o'clock after you speak and then you're in worship and then it's like 10 minutes later and you're go ahead and you're, you're already up on the platform. You kind of go for it, but it was fun. I, I really like preaching and teaching and speaking all that stuff. Um, so I, I had an awesome time. It was a lot of fun. It was a grind, man, for sure. I had a, uh, family tell me that their grandparents go here to the church and they were saying how they love it when I speak, but they always try to go come up and talk to me and I always just leave immediately after. <laughs> and Do I you? Was, no, cause I was so surprised because I was, <laughs> I, was I, say, I, like I, so. I sit up on the stage or in the front row just waiting for someone to come talk to me a lot of times <laughs> and then I feel awkward because no one does. So I kind of leave because I guess no one wants to talk to me and then to hear that, it's kind of funny. Like, yeah, I'm just so important that I have to get out of there, you know, <laughs> but I, I don't feel that way, but maybe I'm security certain, ushered you out really quickly. <laughs> maybe it is the eight o'clock because you do have to jump in. Yeah. yeah, that's true. So quick. So you do leave. But well, and then, I mean, you really can't stay around because then you're literally like, if even if you stay five, 10 minutes talking to somebody, the other service is usually in worship and you're like, Oh, I'm literally walking on stage in like five minutes right. to try to mentally prepare for that. But I like the process of kind of refining the whole thing too. I mean, four four times is a lot to speak, but by the by the fourth time, it was kind of like interesting to see what the message looked like by the mm-hmm. end of it all. It wasn't that much different from what I started on Saturday night, but there were some things, little tweaks that you make, kind of help the rhythm with the speaking, and then maybe some more effective points as well along the way. I'm guessing that people that attend our last service probably think much higher of our speaking team <laughs> than people who attend Saturday night and hear all of the kind yeah. of first runs at it. I would. Yeah. <laughs> but I liked my 1045 way better than yeah. my Saturday night. Well, I think too, it's like, it's a much longer service. You know, you think about, I think, I don't think anybody shortens their message by the time they get around to the 1045. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. For me, um, I don't know. I, I find that usually they're about within five minutes. 
one way or the other. But if you get too loose by the end, yeah, they can really drop <laughs> oh, yeah. down. Too I loose. think I added like a full other message on top of my end. <laughs> that clock goes to zero, man, and I feel compelled to stop. Yeah. I'm I like, didn't even oh, get a zero. Oh, there we go. There we go. No, I'm out I here. was up there and there's just a zero, zero, zero across the board, and I was like, oh, really? Oh, yeah. I didn't that, get a timer or anything. Yeah, for so me, it started helpless. counting. It had a negative, like how far you went over. That's, yeah. a, new, that's a new thing. That's a new thing. Because, oh, that's new. Uh, yeah. That, oh, that's in the last few weeks they've been trying that out. Wait, was it just for me? Maybe. I think it only worked for you. Yeah, there you go. Ben speaking, make sure the clock is on. Yeah. yeah. So we wrapped up our Psalm series, though, finally. I mean... How many weeks? 16? 14. 14. 14. Yeah. yeah. We can go 16 if you want. No. <laughs> Both starting something this uh, this next week. Yeah, it, and that was kind of part of the fun for me, was getting to, to tie up uh, mm-hmm. 13 weeks of content that was so... I mean, it really, it was awesome. And I even talked about it over the weekend a little bit, that uh, we, we were all kind of joking that, oh, this is kind of, you know our excuse to have a series, quote unquote, um, but to be topical and to kind of more or less talk about what we want. But I think it did something to create kind of the, the breadth of the understanding of who Jesus really is. Yeah. And, and I think it's such an important topic. Even we spent a little bit of time recently on this podcast talking about enemies and then how we can view enemies in certain ways. And all of a sudden it changes your perspective when you get a really wide view of who God really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And your topic specifically this weekend was doxology, mm-hmm. which I think was chosen. Uh, Pastor Bo many times will choose kind of specific weeks and mm-hmm. the, the topic for that week uh, within a series. And I think she chose this one because traditionally a doxology mm-hmm. uh, is almost like a benediction, can be. But you kind of brought some uh, a different light to it. Explain to us kind of uh, how you presented this concept of doxology. Yeah, and the main part that I wanted to communicate to people was that this idea that doxology usually exists in the transition, even in the middle of the Psalms. Um, and there's there's not a lot of spaces, there's not a rest, there's not a mm-hmm. selah or anything like that. It's just, it's just all of a sudden the writer switches modes into this praise God through whom all blessings flow kind of a feel when they were just talking about you know being trapped in a cave and the persecution and the enemies and the people that are after them or the circumstances that they face. And it's this transition thing that transitions people into new seasons of life. It transitions you into um, maybe not even into a new season of life, but it transitions you from bitterness into an understanding and a uh, a re-realization of the glory of God and, and that being the truth of it. And ultimately that being it, while we want to be willing to lament and we want to be willing to do a lot of the things that God has called us to do, like all these topics that we talked about through the Psalms, that ultimately the glory of God is a part of all of these stories. Right. We don't lament and then rest in bitterness. Uh, we right. lament and then we allow the glory of God to come in. We worship and we allow the glory of God to come in. And we, we have an understanding of judgment and repentance and we allow the glory of God to come in. And so, man, it was, it was fun. Did, did you guys know what doxology was exactly before? I Sounds knew. like Evan did. I just think of that, <laughs> what you mentioned, the song, you know, praise God from whom all blessings yeah, 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 yeah. flow. You know that. Yeah, I knew it was an expression, like it was a it was a set-aside expression of worship in some capacity. And yeah. I think you said it was, what, it was glory... Um, yeah, it's it's a glory saying. Glory saying. Yeah, right. so benediction is a good way to put that as well. It, it makes a lot of sense. But I had never heard it certainly preached on before. Yeah. So I didn't really know exactly where to start. That's why I'm glad I had, what, like three months run at it? <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> Plenty of time to... Well, I just always think it. of the doxology, like the literal doxology, you know, when yeah. we're like... And then, you know, singing at the end, you know. I don't even know if you've ever been to church that, like, sings that all the time. We used to do that all the time at Canby, and at the end when they, like, sometimes they would sing Amen at the end, and people would always drag it out and always say, sound like old men. They'd be like, <laughs> old men. <laughs> and I was like, 
What? So really, that was a part of the regular liturgy at yeah. Canby. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. We used to do that. And that, that started, though, later. I mean, yeah. I was working there for maybe four or five years, and then they started doing that as a part of closing out worship. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm very familiar with it. I that. think the biggest trick, though, is to make sure that we're not trying to bring this kind of theology of just be a positive person and everything will work out either. Mm-hmm. I think it, and I tried to mention that as often as I could. It's a reality, a reminding your soul of the reality of the glory of God in the middle of any situation. Mm-hmm. And I think about when you're talking about transition and this moment of praise in the middle of transition. Both of you guys moved here in the last year and a half. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so coming into to a new place, there's good and there's bad to every transition. And I think both of you guys probably walked through real positive aspects of coming here. Yeah. And then some of the negative and the cutting off of, for sure. Um, you know, stepping out of the community that you guys were in. How does this kind of concept resonate with you guys walking through major life transition recently um, of this this concept of like turning back towards praise in the middle of kind of turbulence. I think Ben said it the best. I think when he was telling that story about uh, stealing pillows and covers from your wife, (laughs) (laughs) which I was like, yeah, I can relate. Um, So you were talking about when you first got married, that transition to sharing. Yeah. The transition of even just sharing a bed, which of course, you know, young single for my life Christian guy, you know, most of what you think about is sharing a bed and how great that will be. (laughs) And like night three, I was stealing pillows, physically kicking my wife out of the bed in the middle of the sleep and like actually didn't like at all sharing a bed. Yeah. And like you said, it's like when you snuggle, man, it gets hot. You know, you're just like, oh, this is terrible. Roll over where it's cooler on the other side. But but you said something really powerful after that, I think, and and correct me if I'm wrong, but it was about that idea. You, You feel like you get to that place of finality. If only I just got this or if only you know i'm single right now and if only i just get somebody in my life and in a relationship or married or that promotion or that job you feel like there's this bow almost that's tied and you've arrived you're done for sure um but really it's like what comes next you know and that idea like you know you have this huge transition in your life and it's exciting it's scary um there's all these things that go into it and i really think that the consistency of your relationship with Jesus. And, and, you know, you say that, but really that idea of like, man, that is the ground I stand on. You know, that is the solid rock in that. Because, you know, when you go through that transition, you still come through into the same stuff, the same struggles. You're still the same person and your God is the same God through all of that. You know, and I think, Honestly, through transition, it's you think you come to this moment, but you realize like, no, man, there's still so much more on the other side of that. And there's going to be so much more joy, so much more excitement, so much more heartache um, and difficulty. But at the same time, it's like, okay, like if my walk with the Lord isn't, you know, not just saying that to say it, but to say like, he is my everything through it all. Right. um, You lose perspective because when you finally get the thing, you know, when you finally got what you want, you didn't want what you got. If that makes sense, you know, you're kind of like, Oh, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. And it's important to remember that this, I mean, every transition is going to come with just those more challenges and things on the other end. And it's funny, how often do we do that in our lives? You know, we thought graduating high school was a big deal. And man, once I graduate high school, I move out of the house or I do this or I get married or Mm -hmm. uh, have this amount of money in the the bank or get my degree in this. You feel like, okay, then everything, you know, it's not going to stop, but man, it's going to get way better and it's going to slow down. And it comes with other challenges. And I was even just reading an article uh, about Aaron Rodgers who talked about sitting on the bus after he won the Super Bowl with the Packers how many ever years ago? I think that was in 08. And he, he literally said out loud to himself, he said, I hope my life isn't just this. 
And, you know, immediately after winning the Super Bowl, this is the night of. He had this thought, and it's a scary thing to get what you always wanted and mm. to realize, oh, my gosh, this there's so much more. And I even had that, you know, you're talking about the transition to, that we made to Bend. Um, I was actually a little irritated for a little while after moving because <laughs> everybody, not everybody, a lot of people in my life want to move to Bend, and for good reason. Ben freaking rocks. Like, there's a yeah. lot that is so awesome about it. And I'm even thinking about it as a parent, like the great school system and everything. Um, but it wasn't necessarily, you know, and we got here and I was like, man, there's, my life's not that different. <laughs> you know, I'm still the same person. I'm still trying to reach people for Jesus, all these things. And you have to grab onto that glory and the reality of God in the middle of those transitions. Mm. Because even the thing that everybody else wants that you have, or the thing that you always wanted that you finally now have, isn't, isn't exactly what you thought it would be. And interesting that you would bring up uh, Moses, right? You talked about Moses mm-hmm. and the glory of God. Uh, for Moses, his whole experience of God's glory was outside of the promised land. He never made it in. Right. And when you think about your life, I think we set up moments like the promised land that someday I'll do this, someday I'll be there, when really the expression of God's glory for us is what we carry with us along the journey. Right. And it's not something that, you know, one day when I achieve my goals, then I will experience God's glory. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe you'll get to the promise and maybe you'll arrive at that peak of your career or that peak. But really the glory of God, I think, and I think what you talked about was it's what we carry today. Mm-hmm. It's right now. It's, mm-hmm. it's what we carry in the good times and the bad and a, a faith or a glory that doesn't hold up in bad times or only works in bad times when we're yeah. lonely or, that's not a faith that can really carry you through, you mm-hmm. know? And so I, I, I kind of feel like these um, times in our lives where it's up and down and then things get shaken off of us, mm-hmm. those are the things that should be shaken. Yeah. And it refines this sense of what I'm carrying with me is the glory of God. And maybe that's the point you know? to yeah. some degree. You know, I even think mm-hmm. about Hebrews 11 and it says, all these died without receiving the promise. And I, sometimes I, I read that scripture and I go, maybe that's the point. Maybe we're all supposed to die with these goals and these things that we're looking for. You know, we we have, of course, received Jesus on earth and his death and salvation, resurrection for our sin and all those things. But sometimes Mm. I think, man, maybe that's the reason why when we reach that next mountaintop that we feel like there's just another one to climb because it's the understanding of the glory going with you, not the destination. It's that journey, you know, to to get in a really stereotypical kind of a phrase. But maybe that's the point. Maybe that's the reason that we always feel like we don't quite reach the promise. Yeah, I guess like as you guys are talking, like Ben, so much of what you're saying, I was like, yes, yeah. I, I, do you guys feel like there's a difference between? Because I think about like when people are like in actual huge struggles, like you know, like health issues or you know, financial like turmoil or going through a separation or ending of a relationship, you know, like that idea of you know, like because because again, I think there's something about like you know where the transitions we talked about were like. Mm-hmm kind of almost lateral transitions, you know, or right. like things like, Oh, I'm in a relationship now or those kind of things. Like, how do you think that changes when you are in a situation that's super out of your control? That's, you know, like, like an illness or something like that. And like kind of what places like gratitude and, and, you know, looking back and, and giving God glory because mm-hmm. he delivered you out of that. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think it's easy. Uh, you know, my wife walked through cancer I think it's easy in those moments um, to not praise, to not, you're not even thinking that, you right. know, and it's not even like, how should I respond to God? It's just, how can I survive the right. next hour? How can I survive the next week? Um, in retrospect, 
you know, I think because the outcome is good, it's easy to praise. Um, I haven't yet experienced a scenario where, uh, there's the wrong outcome with finality, you know, like the death mm. of, of someone who's close. And uh, we've talked about this with Steve a lot on this podcast. That's, that's, I think where this concept of glory and praise and all that is really tested though. Yeah. When you're, you, you have to give up on hoping for a good outcome until we get to the other side. Then I think it's really tested. And I think the important thing for the Christian to remember that's listening to this podcast is that's not faking it, by the way. Right. Talking about how speaking out glory in the middle of the transition or the difficulty or the darkness is not, it's not faking it. And I think sometimes even, uh, you know, people in the church or outside of the church might look or think about it that way. Like, oh, look at you just kind of faking your way. And I think sometimes we can fake our way to it, but it's not this... This, well, my dad died and now, you know, but God is greater kind of a thing. It's, it's this really, you know, thing that solidified in your soul to say, no, I'm going to say it and I, I don't understand it and I don't know the, the why of it all or the how of it all, but I'm going to, I'm going to say it anyway. Then I, that I believe God in this moment, that his glory is greater than all this, that everything that he says he is, is indeed who he says he is. And you're right. I think that's the crux of it. I think that's mm-hmm. where the rubber meets the road, so to speak. Yeah. A while back, I, in a message, I was speaking on the goodness of God, I think earlier on this year. And I talked about goodness. Um, I kept trying to grab that <laughs> in the middle of my sermon. I kept seeing you on the stage in my mind's eye and going, man, Evan preached on something. <laughs> something what like was that? that? <laughs> it was good though. It was really good. Really good. Um, Unforgettable. I, in that message though, I talked about kind of um, being optimistic and positive uh, all the time and how that's not me. Um, that wouldn't be an honest expression, uh, that all the time, you know, no matter how life is going, I'm always positive. And I talked about uh, a friend of mine who's the chaplain for the Blazers and how, um, he is really consistently positive. And I felt bad afterwards because it sounded like I was saying that what he was doing is a negative, that he's always up. He's always positive. And I quoted him. He has these really cliche lines that he says, like, I'm too anointed to be disappointed, yeah. too blessed to be stressed, you know? <laughs> But Beautiful. the thing is, uh, it's not a negative for him because um, they've walked, him and his wife walked through just the worst. They lost their daughter. Their daughter died. Wow. Uh, which I think she was in her mid-20s and she died. Um, and so he's not a guy that's putting that on. Like that's he, he has walked through that and is able to honestly believe and speak that God is good, wow. even though they've walked through like the darkest place you can walk mm-hmm. through. Yeah. For me, I can't do that. That's not me, you know. So I, I have to find my own honest expression of God is good in dark times. Um, but you know, for him, somehow he's come to that place where he has reconciled the goodness of God with a life that has been incredibly difficult. Wow! And that, I mean, that's what I want, you know. And I may never have a big smile on my face and shake your hand and say some rhymy line, but <laughs> I want that expression. That yeah, yeah. And I know God is good. Yeah. And for me, a lot of times it comes out almost through gritted teeth. <laughs> I would love to be the too anointed to be disappointed kind of guy, but sometimes, you know, when that doxology hits my lips, it's a little bit more like, kind of yeah. a feel, as opposed to the ultra positive guy. I think someday I would like to be the ultra positive guy. Right. But, you know, I just, it, I don't know. So if that's you and you're listening to this podcast, maybe be encouraged a little bit, yeah. or maybe we should all be discouraged. Well, I, mean, I think so often it's like, and I'm, and I'm thankful for a really honest expression from people because sometimes life 
life's going great for you, you know, but then like on the, on the surface, it looks like it's going great. Like you have all the boxes checked. Like you're like, job's going great. Family's all healthy. Things are wonderful. And you choose to get stressed about like the little things, you know, when you really think about like, okay, like, is this something that I want to devote my time, my energy, my stress over, you know, whereas like it's, people actually have real legit problems or real legit illnesses. Mm -hmm. And I can understand that idea, like choosing to glorify God, choosing to make decisions in moments where it's like for the average person, you might not be experiencing loss to that degree. Um, but how do you make choices? How do you choose to glorify God in, in the midst of just what are just kind of average everyday issues, you know? Yeah. And that's when we look at the Psalms, I think that's what I've so appreciated maybe the most, especially about David is his ability to be uh, extremely real about where he's at. Yeah. There's no pretense in the Psalms of David. You know, he's, he's going to be really honest um, when things are great and really honest when they're not. Um, I was thinking back, uh, there was a, a lady on a worship team that I was leading um, years and years ago. And, uh, and she was always like happy, smiley, mm. almost sing songy in her, like when she would talk to you and, and she always up kind of, like, la, 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 it was kind of like that. And, and it always kind of was like, you know, that's, there was just a sense of kind of fake, you know, oh, what's persona. wrong with you? Yeah. yeah. And there was this one moment when she was, she got really angry at somebody else, uh, at the church. And it was just her and I were talking and she just started like venting about how upset. And it was like, for the first time I was experiencing a real conversation with her. Wow. And I walked yeah. away being like, Wow, that was so refreshing to hear you just be completely angry and upset and frustrated and vent about this. And I thought, man, I want to be uh, in those kind of honest, real relationships because the other is is no good, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. And David is the perfect personification of that because uh, I think you feel the realism of his his doubts and his difficulty. And I think when he moves into that doxology, that praise and that glory statement, it feels real at the same time. It, yeah. I, I, at least for me, when I was preparing for this message, I could almost see him writing, you know, that line and then just taking one deep breath and going, and my soul will sing your praise. <laughs> you know, yeah. like I'm, I'm going to tell myself to sing this. It's going to happen. It's well, not just the power of positivity, but it's a real thing in my life. Yeah. And so is the difficulty is real, right. but, but this is real as well. Well, he does. He, David even does that in the same chapter, sometimes even in the same verse, he'll switch. He'll be like, man, this is going on in my life and it's extreme. And it's, oh my gosh, my enemies are all around me yet. And like, and literally in the same, like, you know, verse, he'll just totally turn that around and put right. his focus on glorifying God. And I think it's a reminder. It's almost like you were talking about fight songs, you know, like even in, we sing the same song mm-hmm. when we're, you know, one in 15, you know, right. for the, like for the year versus Oregon Ducks circa 2010 to 2014. <laughs> um, you know, where we're just dominating and things are going great. We right. sing the same song. And I love that you can see David writing it in the middle of it too. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's easy to write the story and have this really dramatic beginning when you already know the ending. And there's a lot of these that David didn't know the end. You know, he's saying they are at the door right now. They have locked me in the cave right now. They're hunting me right now. Uh, and so it's easy. It, it's easy to create the movie or to create the script when you already know the ending of it all. And sometimes it's we read scripture that way, right? It's really easy to listen to the story of Jesus being taken uh, to Calvary because, well, 
we know the end. We know he rose again. And that's not the case for these people writing a lot of these stories, that they don't know the end and they're, they're glorifying God anyway. And we know that they're, they end up heroes that are immortalized in the Bible forever. At the time, they, don't, they might disappear into obscurity yeah. after yeah. they're murdered by their enemies in 20 minutes. You know? Yeah, like, exactly. And so the, even this concept of greatness, because like with David, he has great triumphs and failures in his life, but his life is an epic story. Right. Uh, but what if it wasn't? Mm-hmm. What if you know he failed early on? He, you know, <laughs> Goliath succeeded. Yeah. <laughs> uh, these are things that, that very well could have happened. Uh, and how many others, uh, you know, contemporaries of our Bible heroes did just that? That's if a great. They question. failed and faded into obscurity. And our heroes like Moses and David That's true. Well, and even Daniel like, ran that risk. Like the rich mm-hmm. young ruler, you know, all he's known, he didn't even have a name, you know, because he <laughs> yeah. showed up and he said, I'd like to follow you. And then he screwed it all up. And then, you know, he just walked away. And that's all we know him for. Yeah. When mm-hmm. on the other side, there was a potential maybe to be the Peter or the John or the James or whoever else. Yeah. yeah. So I know it's hard to be kind of accurate in self-assessment, but how do you guys think we are doing as far as being honest and real um, as leadership of this church in expressing that both from the platform and just as a culture, do we do a good job? Do we have, how much room do we have to improve? Um, Again, hard to self-assess, but what do you guys think? Yeah, I think, I mean, the uh, thinking about the two people that share the pulpit the most in our church, Bo Stern and Steve Mickle, I think I've seen the same Steve on the stage that I have out to lunch. You know, mm-hmm. and, and really, and I don't even know if I would say that about me because <laughs> I have the tendency to, to act a lot more introverted when I'm, you know, off of the platform than I do on it. Um, but man, they have been, I think they're absolutely authentic and everything that we're talking about that we're going through, especially in teaching team meetings and, and strategy when it comes to the vision of the church, I think is, is, is completely authentic. And we're, we're addressing subjects and I say we lightly, really, I mean the leadership of the church, um, addressing subjects that I've never heard addressed before from a pulpit. Mm-hmm. And if I've heard them addressed before, I haven't heard them opened up to, to quite the degree that I've heard them here. Yeah. And I think honestly, like in some Ben and I, even I think in the last podcast where we talked about it is there's the capacity that we have as a church to be very honest without delving headlong into cynicism, that jaded negativity mm-hmm. that just says, Hey, everything sucks and everything's hard and life is terrible and we're just being real. You know, the underlying current of every message of everything I've heard is, man, yeah, life can be very hard at times, but Jesus is our hope and the church is the hope of the world to bring people to Jesus. People that were far off from him are brought close. And, and I think if there's anything that as a church, I think we could work on is that full expression from everything from grief and hardship to joy and celebration. You know, how do we as a, how do we as a church embrace everybody? Because yeah, there are people who, man, they come to church and they hear a message on grief or they hear a message on God's goodness or hurt and pain and suffering. And it's really reassuring. It's good. I'm glad that's being talked about. How do we also engage the person that's like, dude, my life is already full of this stuff. I don't want to come to church and hear a message about how hard my life is, you know, like at the same time, like, is, is this a place where we're building people up, not just beating them up, you know? And I think there's space for all of that at the Mm -hmm. table, you know? And I think the reality of where we've been at as a church and where we've been at 
on our speaking team is like, yeah, there's some hard stuff and we're not afraid to talk about it. And it's, it's a good balance. It's yeah. the reality of life and the reality of Christ, right? For sure. And I think, again, even just, and I think that's what's so great about us having a wide variety of speakers, personalities, things like that is yes, like we have some really dynamic speakers, but it's not just one pastor uh, who's totally dictating the entire flow of every message, you know, like preaching 70% of the time or 80% of the time you get the chance to hear from everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really encouraging, I think as a church. So, yeah, I had a kind of, uh, an eye opening experience, uh, traveling to Uganda these past couple of weeks. Um, yeah. Can we do a behind the message on all of the messages <laughs> that you spoke over? So yeah, my brother's over 10 there. hours. Yeah. He had me speak six sermons in, Three days. It was a lot of. But how long were those sermons? And over an hour each. So a total goodness. of six hours. And um, I tried to cut one off early, like I, I kind of, and they, uh, no, uh, uh. and I, so I said a prayer, and then I kind of looked around, like, no, I'm good, no. and it was very clear, like they thought I was kind of at midway point, just having a prayer, and then going to continue. So I was like, okay, so anyway, and just oh, kept, no. kept preaching, yeah, because. <laughs> It was. They all uh, had like their pens and Bibles uh, yeah, out still. So. They didn't want. They wanted their money's worth, so we got it. But during that, it was kind of interesting because um, I feel like here at Westside, um, for me at least, as a speaker, when I do speak, I feel like there is room to be pretty honest and, and just be myself. Right. Um, in the conference I was at speaking in Africa, they're very, very Pentecostal. I mean, mm. extremely mm-hmm. Pentecostal. Now. Uh, Foursquare, which is our denomination, is a Pentecostal denomination, but we are very much on the evangelical side of mm-hmm. the Pentecostal evangelical spectrum. Um, over there, very Pentecostal. And so um, really to connect well with these pastors, it forced me to kind of swing over to more of the Pentecostal side, which um, I was much more f- comfortable with maybe 15 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not so much anymore. And so it, it felt, uh, I don't know, maybe disingenuous or um, almost not dishonest, but like I was stepping outside of, of being real out of necessity and Mm. it really made me uncomfortable. Yeah. And so I, and I don't know if it was wrong to do that. I I know when I leaned more into something I was uncomfortable with, they, they connected with it better. So I'm, I'm thinking it was probably okay, but man, really uncomfortable. I think, yeah. (laughs) I mean, but I think if you're telling the truth, and you're communicating the truth in that, I think you're okay. I think obviously like sometimes I feel uncomfortable when I get up in front of a bunch of kids and you slang and I'm like, you know, you know, like you kind of like trying to appeal them. But if I'm speaking something that's not that I don't feel like is true and that I don't feel like is right. Like if I started talking about, Hey, let's all baptize you in the Holy spirit. And I didn't believe that it should manifest itself in that way. Then I would maybe feel that, but Yeah. And it is important. So I think part of what you're getting at is something that I experienced this last weekend. And, you know, you get up on that stage. I'm a big hallowed ground kind of a person. Um, it's just a respect thing in my Safe mind. Safe go field. You know? Yeah. You know, I, I do feel like it comes back to baseball a lot. And when I worked as a, <laughs> as a sports writer, I would go to even just high school games and I'd interview kids after games. And um, sometimes coaches would be like, oh, yeah, well, you know, why don't you come in the dugout? And you know what? And I don't go in the dugout. If I'm on a team, I don't go in the dugout. That's a special spot in my mind. Uh, and I know that's weird. And my wife always called me an idiot, but the, I felt that way. And, and I feel that way. And it, and certainly like, just like these high school kids weren't, you know, Bo and Steve aren't, 
you know, these these gods in their own rights. But <laughs> more demigod. Yeah, exactly. Yes. You know, uh, been lots of Moana, Moana. and uh, um, but but you get up on that stage, and in my mind, there's a respect that you know I really respect right. what's been built at Westside, and I really respect the movement of God that's already happened. And so, along with that, for me, there's this little urge to be to feel like I need to be a little bit more like Bo and Steve. And uh, really, to, I'm glad I got a couple first Wednesdays run at it to, to kind of push that out of my mind because they're Lucky. awesome, but they're their own thing. And I'm only mm-hmm. going to be the most effective when I am who I really am. But but there is that, that feeling that you get. But absolutely, the leadership does such a wonderful job of, of – and Steve even told me, he said, look, you better not be like anybody else on this teaching team. You got to go up there and you got to be you and you got to preach it how God's told you to preach it. Well, that's something that's consistently reaffirmed, I think, and encouraged, you know? It's just like, yeah. I mean, like, I'm sure after you spoke, after I spoke, Evan, after you speak, it's like, that's great. We recognize that. I mean, if anything, it's just mostly continuity, you know, that we're looking at. And the church has responded to all the speakers and all the styles. Well, I think part of that is just the, the heart that is behind everything. It is to say, and it is the appreciation of that because we have so many diverse speakers. It is like, oh man, like maybe I don't, when I spoke, I didn't, you know, reach a certain amount of people with my Tupac quotes and things like that. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, there are other people that really respond to that. And the same thing for everyone who preaches. Yeah, that's good. And I, I do deeply appreciate the, the ability and freedom to be myself. And I think right. for both of you, you could tell you felt free to do that because yeah. very distinct um, preaching styles from both of you. Nothing like Steve, nothing like Bo. Mm-hmm. Um, and the church is better for that, mm. you know, and, and I think that points to the fact that Steve as a leader and as uh, the primary communicator, uh, isn't this towering personality that the whole church lives or dies by his personality. Right. Um, and there are a lot of churches that are yeah. personality driven and they will rise and fall on the popularity and the ability of the, the senior pastor, mm-hmm. um, to communicate well and lead well. and, um, if his personality is unappealing, the church, you know, tanks. Right. That's not us. And I'm really grateful for that. Um, and I think it allows room for other personalities to come out. And yeah. uh, what a great way to do it. You well, know? And that's the thing that Ben and I, like you talked about, we just transitioned here a year and a half ago. That took a lot of work to get there, mm-hmm. you know, and that, and that's something like, again, going back to the hollowed ground idea. It's like, I sometimes like pinch myself in appreciation of like, wow, like there has been blood, sweat, and tears poured into getting to this place. It wasn't this magical. And it's like when talking about community a while ago, it's like it's community and like the the thing, the structure that we come into is not just an accident. People intentionally made it this way. right? And so the fact that like we have leaders that make that happen is huge. Yeah. By the way, it took me three years on staff before they let me speak a weekend. So I'm just a little... A little envious of your overstanding on the shoulders of giants. <laughs> yeah, the right, one yeah. Evan Earwicker who I really paved pay, the way I for paved us. the way for you guys. Actually, my the first time I spoke a weekend, I did a tag team weekend. Um, maybe one of our listeners will remember tag team with <laughs> uh, Pastor Jim Stevens. Really? And, you um, and was it New Year's? <laughs> Sorry, no, it was in the summer, and he he uh, and I were speaking on generations and kind of like contrasting older generations and younger ones. In there. Okay. And my my big prop joke gag for the sermon was I uh, I paper macheed Ten Commandment tablets and then had actually Ryan Johnson, who just came back on staff, had him bring him out from backstage 
and the joke was that I had my iPad, so I was preaching from my tablet, and Jim oh, also had some tablets that he left. But the funny thing was, yes. like, I was at home for hours before, like, personally paper mache these oh, things my gosh. For, for the props. <laughs> so, you know, you do the hard work. To really make it memorable. Did you do that like oh, Mel Brooks joke where you have three tablets and you're like, I want to bring you the 15 and then you drop one of them and it breaks and you're like, 10, <laughs> 10 commandments. No, I didn't. But you were in after that, Evan. I was in. They've been bringing yeah. you back ever since. I'm just disappointed you guys didn't have handmade props in either uh, of your messages. Yeah. I w- sometimes I wish, no, I mean, maybe a flannel Maybe very graph. rarely I wish I was more of a prop guy. Some, I just can't well, do it. And some old school Westsiders probably missed the days uh, back in the day with Saturday Night, Saturday Night Alive, which was our Saturday night oh, service yeah. I for still years. hear about that. Um, it was incredibly popular. Pastor Ken's kind of brainchild, and it was, it was quite the service. I mean, it was props and uh, like, you know, really? like I, I have no Wait, like skits. Props? Yeah, I have yeah. like no frame yeah. of reference for this. And people are always like oh. Saturday Night Alive. And I'm like, it sounds like you had sketches and wild yeah. animals in there. No, and then so, so, guys, so it was fire. like a Saturday Night Live kind of a thing. You didn't just name your service well, that. But well, there was it an element say Saturday Night Alive uh, yeah. with musicals guests, Precious Bird <laughs> it wasn't a com- and Elliot. It wasn't a comedy sketch show, but it was uh, it was definitely a very lively. Like if you think about the 90s, like what was hip in the 90s? <laughs> oh, graffiti. Man. Bring it into the church. You had guys like Matt Will Summers uh, and oh. Trey's dad, uh, Steve Anderson, really? like, like walking down the middle aisle with a wireless guitar and wireless headset, like rocking out. You know, oh just my things gosh. things now that but would like, seem so say, cheesy, but they were awesome. They were awesome. Out, do you mean like were they? Was it like worship or was it like a band, like a secular song, or like something? a secular song? Yeah, oh, nice. Like, okay. Taking it to the streets, you know. <laughs> yeah. So. And there are some, uh, even now, we get comments and requests like, can we just bring back Saturday Night Alive? No, you don't. And, you don't actually get those, do you? Yeah, we do. Really? And My here's gosh. The thing, and maybe somebody's listening. You're an old school Westsider and you would love to bring it back. Listen, it exists in a beautiful way in how it was and how we remember it. Sweet nostalgia. We go back there, it would be a disappointment. I'm just that's you. true. No, that's a good point. And that's, that's the Leave thing about nostalgia, is. though, dude, is it is a fickle yeah. thing because it's always way better than you remember it. You're yeah. like, oh, Leave that was it. so great. And then Leave you go back is. and you're like, no. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. It's true. Anyway, well, thanks, guys, for the conversation today. And uh, we're so glad to be through the Psalms and into our fall series. We'll be back next week with Bo Stern as we discuss week one of our new series.